0: Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with court of ballet dancer Elizabeth Matier. This episode was recorded on Friday, April fifth, twenty nineteen, before a performance of Program Five, Lyric Voices, featuring choreography by Trey McIntyre, Christopher Weldon, and Yuri Posikoff. Hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to this evening's Meet the Artist interview. Welcome to this evening's performance of Lyric Voices, program, I think it's five, beginning to lose track. We're past the middle, we're past the halfway point um, in the season and this two week stretch of programs five and six, I have found to be incredibly stimulating and exciting. I hope you all are agreeing with that. I once again want to remind you to go to the website and to look in your program books for um, up-and-coming audience engagement activities. There are some classes, there are some lectures, there are some study groups, and I know that you'll get a lot out of the remaining ballets of the season. Uh, We have Little Mermaid coming up, and then we have the wonderful Shostakovich trilogy coming up. So the dancers are working very hard so that you will be able to enjoy all that. So this evening, I'm very pleased to be in conversation with dancer Elizabeth Mateer. Thank you, Elizabeth, and welcome. Hi. Um, We uh, have a little bit of a tradition when we package these events. We call this one Meet the Artist, and I've learned that Elizabeth has, this is her debut appearance, and so we'll give you a chance to meet her by asking a little bit about her background, her training, and then how she's uh, really become a, a force to be reckoned with here at San Francisco Valley. Why don't we just jump right at the beginning. You, um, Trained um, fairly typically, I think, for American ballet students. You want to put us in the picture?
0: Sure. Um, I began training at a bit of a late age. Um, I actually, the beginning of my story is a little bit unusual. I trained at my academic school at first. Um, That's where I took my first ballet lessons, actually. And I kind of got interested that way, hooked on it. Um, But at that point, it was just a hobby. And at one point, my mother suggested that I try a real ballet studio, so to speak, Um, solely dedicated to that. And I was like, well, no, you know, I'm fine. I'm happy. And she was like, no, 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 like, just take one class and see how you enjoy it. And so I was like, okay. I go. And the girls in my class were doing these giant leaps and giant, all kinds of things, lifting their legs above their heads and things that I had never seen before. And I was like, oh, this is what ballet is. <laughs> I guess that um, kind of sparked something in me and on the way home I cried, but <laughs> I was really inspired by seeing all of these peers of mine who had far surpassed me um, and I saw how much work there was to do. And if I accepted that challenge, I could maybe join them. And so I did that. I took a lot of a lot of lessons to catch up.
1: Where in the world was this?
0: This is in uh, Florida, South Florida. Ah, okay. So I ended up training at this um, Cuban ballet school, and eventually one of those teachers broke off and created her own studio, and this woman was actually a woman named Magali Suarez, who is the mother of Taras Domitro, one of our former principal dancers here.
1: So So I imagine that that training, having been in conversation with him, knowing a little bit about his history, that training must have been really hardcore.
0: (laughs) It was intense. It was intense, but it was excellent training to have as a base foundation. Um, The Cuban school is renowned Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for their technique.
1: So I know the tradition for, again, for most American ballet students is to go off to summer intensives, and that really does help you see the world. Where all did you find yourself?
0: Yes. um, So actually, I went to Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet for one summer, And then I went to the School of American Ballet, which was quite a diversion from my usual training. That was when I was 16 years old, and it was kind of random, actually. I just went to the audition thinking, um, just give it a try. Some of my friends were going, and they ended up singling me out at the end of the class for a full merit scholarship. So I was totally floored because I'd never been Mm. given that kind of attention before Mm -hmm. and so I was inspired to go and ended up staying for two years to train there finish my training
1: so filling in the School of American Ballet is the uh, renowned school that is associated with New York City Ballet Company and the as you say very different from the more traditional Russian style training and uh, we've heard quite a bit from many other dancers about the more stereotypically Balanchine-esque training at SAB. So you got two years of that.
0: Yeah, so I have a nice mix of oh, yeah. styles in my training. I have the Cuban base, and then I also have the Balanchine finishing. Um, and while I was at SAB, I went to Boston Ballet School for one summer and Pacific Northwest Ballet School for a summer.
1: So that's that's the American breadth of training. I tried um, to make it to all
0: the coasts. Yeah. I didn't make it out here, but <laughs> it took well, a little longer. It
1: took a little longer. <laughs> um, so you launched your profession then in what way?
0: Yeah, I did um, well. I was offered a position with Pennsylvania Ballet Two, and that's their second company in Philadelphia. Uh, at the time, I was also kind of grappling with whether to pursue dance as a career or to go to college. Um,
1: That's an interesting... (laughs) We hear that sometimes, and other times we don't hear that. (laughs) Um, How did you maintain studying rigorously while you were at SAB?
0: It was difficult, but the school that I transferred to in New York was very... um, They were really great about coordinating with SAB, and so I would have a schedule of wake up in the morning, go to school, come back for lunch, and, or come back for a ballet class, have lunch, mm-hmm. or take my lunch back to school, mm-hmm. go back to school, come back for ballet class, and it was sort of like that um, for one year. I was able to combine my junior and senior years of high school into one um, mm-hmm. with the professional children's school, and that worked out pretty well.
1: Well, Hard. <laughs> yeah, I happened to, um, went to the almighty internet and learned, um, through a previous interview with you that you were accepted at Harvard and was it Yale or Princeton? It Princeton. Princeton. Um, Stanford rejected me, but not, st- oh darn, um, <laughs> what just, we don't want to go diverge too far, but, um. That's impressive. What area of study would you have pursued if you'd been an academic?
0: Well, that's a tough one. I was always really interested in psychology, so I'm sure I would have wanted to pursue that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, I've taken a couple of psychology classes, and amongst others, I, while I was um, working at Pennsylvania Ballet, I took several classes at the University of University of Pennsylvania. And um, this past season, I started with the LEAP program.
1: I was going to go there. So, right. And just for the rest of the folks, um, a reminder, LEAP stands for?
0: Liberal Education for Arts Professionals.
1: And it's based uh, here in the Bay Area. And um, so they make it possible to get a degree. Many, many of our dancers have gone on to do that. It's a really is,
0: wonderful opportunity. Yeah.
1: So that's Great. And then after graduating from that and eventually retiring from ballet, you can go on to graduate degrees in exactly. just about anything. Wow. The
0: idea is having doors open.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, um, back to performing. <clears throat> We've had the opportunity now to see you. This is your third season. Yes. So you're over halfway through <laughs> <your> third season. <laughs> and um, the kinds of roles I was reviewing a little bit <clears throat> varied, of course. The court de ballet does everything. But um, I also noticed that, you, that there's a, a narrower list who get some of the character parts. And it looks like you've done a bunch of those. Is that something you enjoy doing?
0: I do. They're a lot of fun. It's really nice to be able to kind of sink your teeth into portraying a story or a, a relationship with someone. Or just different characters
1: you mentioned in last season uh, fancy free
0: mm-hmm. I did the potetta de girl in fancy free which was a lot of fun it's a role that I actually yeah. learned in Pennsylvania Valley originally yeah, yeah. and then I had the opportunity to yeah. perform it here which was very special
1: and then quite a contrast would be in Sleeping Beauty the the Queen mother the, the, the Zarina.
0: <laughs> that's right so
1: what kind of fun is that? <laughs>
0: It's a little bit challenging to tell you the truth because that role you sit for a very long time (laughs) uh, and you watch everyone dance, which is really wonderful when you're very busy and tired, but it's also not something I would want to be doing every day at this point in my career while I'm still young. (laughs) But it's fun and the costumes are absolutely gorgeous. So that was a lot of fun.
1: as a contrast, this season in Sleeping Beauty, we did get to see you do...
0: The Fairy of Tenderness.
1: So you got to exercise your rigor. Yes. ...rigor. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> um, so in that kind of area of just um, speculation and whimsy, when, you're, when you look at the, web, at the repertoire, um, what are the parts that, that you like to do? Most, not necessarily the parts that are easiest for you. Or maybe you could start with what's easy for you to do.
0: Um, I would say that the balancing roles come kind of naturally to me because I have that training in my arsenal. Um, not to say that every balancing role is easy. That's far from the truth. It, I did square dance once a really long time ago, and that was brutal. I don't know if that's a ballet we do here very often. Long time. Ago. Um, Anything that's really dancey and extended, I love to dance Forsyth and uh, Mm -hmm. Dawson, I love the Robbins works, Um, Wieldon, a little bit, I think I lean towards the neoclassical Mm -hmm. side Mm -hmm. of things um, in general.
1: Right. Well, that answers the question pretty much. Um, this season, we've had the chance to see you, as mentioned, as Tsarina and Ferry. Um, and in four of the six, I think, pieces in this rotation, yeah. um, mention them and maybe a comment or two about each piece, just because that's what this audience is going to be seeing. Well, they'll yes. be seeing Program 5.
0: hmm so I dance one of the roles in Trey McIntyre's Your Flesh Shall Be a Great Poem. Uh, not tonight, but I do Jennifer Stahl's role, which was really special to get to learn that last season and perform this season. I was going to
1: say, were you in the McIntyre team?
0: I wasn't on time? their team, actually. But uh, at the time, I think there was another choreographer here who decided not to use me in that piece, and or, you know, several people, and I was picked up by Trey, which was very nice. So,
1: Right. Uh, we're referring to the Unbound Festival from last spring, which, as you might remember, there were 12 premieres, and the company was divided into these teams so that um, each choreographer, each of the 12, had... A team that they so, could work on. They could work on three works at once was the principle. Exactly. And um, I know Helgi explained at some point that there was a little horse trading that went on behind the scenes but it was probably the result of something like you're speaking exactly. of. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, that um, So okay, so the Trey McIntyre work and so working with him
0: was wonderful. Must have been
1: just amazing. I mean the it's one of my top favorites of the whole Absolutely. festival.
0: I love that ballet so much. It just grabs your attention. And I, when I watch it still, I can't help but be drawn in completely. It's really tender. It's a great ballet. And that'll be the and first fun. thing
1: you see this evening. Yes. Yeah. yeah it has a lightness to it. Yeah. Ugh. Right. Oh. okay. Um... Next on this program is the In, which you're not included I'm in that one. In that. But then the uh, the Yuri Posakov premiere. So yeah. talk a little bit about that.
0: Um, so I was in the original opening night cast of Yuri poskov's new ballet. It's called Two United in a Single Soul, and that was really exciting. I'd never worked with Yuri before, so this was my first experience with him, and it was a lot of fun. It was kind of crazy because you know as I've heard, is kind of typical for him. Things don't quite come together until opening night. (laughs) Uh, But it happens, and it's a really unique and amazing piece, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's uh, an opera singer, which is really cool for us. We don't get to participate with them very much. And um, it's very athletic, I would say. A lot of um, movement, which yes. I feel very comfortable with, I love the kind of weird, quirky movement and overextended and
1: um, as i 've seen it now a couple of times um, there 's a lot of duet work part, part, partnering how to do work, both for the ensemble couples and the principal couples yeah. um, and it looked really hard
0: it 's a little bit challenging. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like asking the guys to do crazy lifting and yeah. the girls to be very trusting. Is that
0: fair? <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's a whirlwind, I would say. Well,
1: it's fascinating. And the music is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. glorious, yeah. Right. Um, on the other program, <clears throat> which I'm sure many folks have already seen and they haven't, you still have a chance to see it. Um, the pieces you're involved in?
0: I'm involved in Liam Scarlett's new ballet.
1: The new uh, Liam Scarlett, right.
0: Tochanincel, I think is right. how we just say it.
1: <laughs> Tochanincel, yeah. The Isle of the Dead. Um, just say a few words about that. It's such a contrast.
0: It is. It's very dark, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, light and dark, maybe, is mm-hmm. the better way to put it. There's a big light. <laughs> That's
1: true. <laughs> Visually light.
0: Visually light.
1: Emotionally, yeah. not so much.
0: Yeah, and he never really told us specifically what the story is, but it's based off of a painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful painting. I think it has the same name. <laughs> and it has a boat, like a rowboat, mm-hmm. on its way to this Isle of the Dead, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting and thought-provoking, I would say.
1: Very Very, drawing you into it. Yes. Um, Wondering what is at Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: that light is. Exactly. And fascinating music. Did you find the music challenging? It's
0: beautiful. It is a little bit challenging to count sometimes, Mm -hmm. or to hear the counts Mm -hmm. through everything that's happening. It's very swirling and almost stressful music Mm -hmm. at times. Mm -hmm. And then at other times it's beautiful and Mm -hmm. um, calm. But. I, I enjoyed working with Liam a lot on that. Is that your
1: first work with him?
0: No. I worked with him... The first time I worked with him was in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. Ballet, um, a ballet called Asphodel Meadows. Oh, uh, yeah. That was one of his earliest pieces. Yes. Yeah. I think it was maybe his first ballet for the Royal Ballet, mm-hmm. and we brought it to Philadelphia. And then... My next season was actually here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left the company shortly thereafter. And the first, one of the first things we worked on here was Frankenstein. So Liam um, used me a lot, which was really nice. And that was a lot of dancing. That's <laughs> a lot of dancing. I learned fearful symmetries. And, um, mm. and this.
1: So album. he's definitely one of the regulars in yeah. our in our stable, let's say. And then the other piece on Program 6 that you get to do, love to hear more about that.
0: (laughs) Bjork Ballet, um, which is kind of a trip. It's uh, planet Bjork a little bit. Uh, You kind of feel transported to this other place where people are jumping around almost like at a rave. (laughs) Or you know, being carried around on a platform above their heads um, with a mirrored floor and mm-hmm. all kinds of production elements that are unexpected and thrilling.
1: I watching it is definitely a trip. Um, I wondered how it was to work with. Did you work with um, Arthur Pita? Yes. Um, I'd love some insights into the mind that can produce that piece.
0: Oh, Arthur is so creative. He has no limit to the creativity in his mind, I think. Um, I feel like his brain works very differently from mine. So it was a big (laughs) learning experience. And it definitely helped me grow, I think, as an artist. Um, We did a lot of improvisation exercises to help create movement ideas. And then Arthur kind of shaped and molded that and also input, obviously, his own stamp on everything and morphed it into this amazing piece. So,
1: Amazing. It's definitely amazing. Um, Before we ask the audience to contribute some questions, um, the whole Unbound, I think we're still reverberating from the... Unbound Festival, and um, it, five of the works appeared this season. I got my math right, and um, many of them were done at uh, the Kennedy Center last fall, <clears throat> and more of them will be done when the company goes to London in at the end of May. Um, just can you reflect a little bit on how you think, what you think, the overall effect? of the festival was, has been, and will be on just on the rest of the world, seeing San Francisco Ballet, seeing these choreographers.
0: I think it created a lot of excitement and buzz, the ballet world over, basically, um, it brought in all kinds of people. I mean, I kept seeing directors from other companies here in and out and making sure to come see all the latest new ballets, probably picking out ballets for their company mm-hmm. you know, to perform in a few years or so. That's what I would do if I were a director. Um, but it was really, just the energy was palpable. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it helped us all grow as dancers a lot. We worked with so many different choreographers styles and music even and shoe choices and all kinds of things so I think that the environment Helgi welcomed in in terms of creation and creativity being unbound was really cool for everybody involved
1: How do you think all those pieces will be received let's say in London
0: I hope well I'm really looking forward to bringing Animus back um, after a little bit of a hiatus, Mm -hmm. and that was one we did in Washington, D.C., and it was well received there. Um, David, I think, is more well known in Europe, so uh, David David Dawson. Dawson. Uh, So that'll be exciting. Well,
1: I'm really looking forward to the, the feedback from that tour to London. And you're doing something like four different programs and a dozen or more work, Uh, not just the Unbound works, but it's gonna be quite quite an event, so stay tuned. Um, If members of the audience have questions, we'd be happy to entertain them now. There's a hand went up, and I'll repeat the question. Um, I think you're actually asking about the Liam Scarlett piece. Dotincel to the Rachmaninoff score, which is the the movement the, the score is written in a meter of five eight. And that there's they've made quite a point of that in a lot of the descriptions of the work. And so um, she's saying she was trying to count it and was having a hard time finding that. Is there any comment you'd like to make about <laughs> that slightly less than usual rhythm?
0: I think we counted in fives, actually. Um, It's hard when we don't have the music right this moment, but it's um, kind of a slow five, like, or no, I mean, hard to explain without the music.
1: (laughs) From the point of view of music theory, the phrases are phrases of eight, but, but there are eight measures that are in five. So it's one two three four five two two three four five three two three four five etc. Would that—that's very accurate. Okay. <laughs> and the overall effect is it, it jars your mind a little bit because we're just not used to well until you get.
0: I would sing it for Yorker. you, but I don't want to butcher the music. <laughs>
1: Let's go to another question. Somebody had one over here. I thought, yeah, sure. What kind of style do you?
0: like, I think I, is that the choreographer. of choreographer's style? I enjoy the more neoclassical style usually, um, sort of along the lines of Balanchine or uh, Forsyth, Dawson, um, Yuri Posakov, I think could fall into the neoclassical realm a little bit. Um, that's sort of what I bend towards generally, but I love dancing classical works and contemporary works and everything in between when I have the opportunity.
1: Um, Okay, your question. Wow, that's a great question. Um, It's nice to hear you talk about dancing, but talk about some of the things that um, occupy you when you're not dancing. What kind of music? What kind of books? What kind of hobbies? That
0: kind of spans the gamut. I um, am not a huge music buff, but I enjoy listening to music, of course. I listen to classical and all the stuff that's on the radio and whatever the people I'm around like to listen to and I get to listen to everything. Um, I like to cook and bake in my spare time when I have the time. When it's in season, it's difficult to find that time, but those are a couple of hobbies when I'm not doing school and... Um, School takes up a lot of time as well, reading for school. I wish I had more time to read for pleasure. I used to be a big reader, um, but it's kind of only when I have a chance now. There
1: will be time. Yes. We have time for maybe one more question. Somebody over here? Yeah. Good question. Um, Referring to the Unbound, but also this season, um, the dancers are stretch so far physically, um, and it looks so taxing, were there, she said, were there injuries, were there, was there other kind of consequence to that much intense physical and mental activity?
0: I'm trying to remember, actually. I seem to think, if my memory serves me, that we were all pretty healthy-ish by the end of the season, I can't remember if anyone was out um, and healthy is a relative term. (laughs) Um, We're always dealing with minor aches and pains and, you know, oh, my neck is out today, so I better go see the chiropractor, Um, that kind of thing. But I don't know if anyone was really debilitated from it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't remember a spectacular injury that was the result. There was a lot of, because the company had been divided into sections Every dancer wasn't doing twelve
0: That's works. True. So, it helped the, yeah. the workload was it spread kind of across. A bit. But yeah. we're all—I mean, these dancers are incredible. I, my hat is off to all of my colleagues. So strong. I was amazed when I joined this company and um, realized just how tough the season is. And you know, I felt like I needed to rise to that level. <laughs> and it's. Almost every dancer
1: that I speak with who talks about coming here mentions that they just had no idea that the pace would be what the pace is. Well, we're more than halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> 3 fourth of the way <laughs> Not through.
0: Not counting the weeks or anything. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: um, I'm sorry we have to finish. For those of you who came in late, um, I'm Mary Wood. I don't think I mentioned that. And um, I've been speaking with um, Elizabeth Mateer, who is a member of the company and in her third season, and we're looking forward to seeing a lot more of you. Thank, Thank you, Mary. Elizabeth. Thank you all. Thank Enjoy you. this evening's performance.
0: Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast
1: player.